0: Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word and for your spirit and and pray, Lord, that you would work in our midst tonight that you would come and, and speak to us words of life. Father, I pray that as we consider these things, even the va- very basic and foundational things that, that you have shared that we, need to be understand and reminded that, God, that you would work in our hearts to receive these things in such a way, Lord, to live them. We thank you and pray this in your name. Amen. One day, uh, a famous author was sort of getting like the red carpet treatment at a minister's church, and the minister was pretty proud of the facilities that he had, and He was uh, talking about the rich imported pews that they had in their church and the luxurious decorations. And as they were stepping outside, the darkness was falling and there was a a spotlight shining on a huge cross atop the steeple. And the minister, with a pretty satisfied smile, said, you know, that cross alone cost us $10,000. To that, the author replied, he said, you got cheated he said times were when Christians could get them for free. Martin Luther once said, A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing, is worth nothing. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16:24, If anyone would come after me, that is, would be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, words like disciples, discipleship, making disciples, discipling, all of those words are words that we use all the time in the church, but oftentimes I wonder if we take the time to really consider what such things mean. Well, tonight I would like us to to look at these things as we talk about Kirk of the Plains and particularly as we say that we are a discipling church. What does that mean? Well, before we can answer that question, we really need to look at what is a disciple and also then how are disciples made. Now, this is a rather large topic and we're not by any stretch of the imagination going to be able to cover everything that the Bible says about it. But I just want us to sort of look at these two things tonight and consider them as we think about being a discipling church. Well, in Matthew 28... 18 through 20 that we just read, Jesus says, go, therefore, in verse 19, and make disciples. Now, that is the command that Jesus gives to us. And so it makes sense that we ought to understand what it is that a disciple is, because how can you make that which you don't know what it is? Well, the word translated disciple in the New Testament means learner or student. It's someone who is an apprentice or, or a trainee to a teacher to learn from. So it's like, in one sense, it's like someone maybe that wants to learn woodworking. And so they might sort of attach themselves to a, a, crafts, a, a craftsman who knows how to make beautiful furniture so that they can learn. But I think for us, oftentimes, we might think of learning that way, but I think probably more likely when we think of learning or being a student, we might be tempted to think of someone who sits in a classroom to gain knowledge or or to learn things. Now, for some of you kids or young people, that school might be even in your own home, but still, nonetheless, the same thing takes place. And it's true that learners or disciples in Jesus' day, uh, also learned intellectual content. They learned a way of thinking and perceiving the world, uh, if you would, a sort of a body of knowledge and understanding from him. Uh, we see that in scripture in Matthew chapter five, verses one and two, uh, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, we, we see the crowds, it says, they went up on the mountain and when they sat down, his disciples came to him, that is to Jesus. And what did he do? It says in verse two, and he opened his mouth And he taught them. So Jesus did teach them. But in the case of Jesus' disciples, the outcome of their learning was uh, not simply to master a certain body of knowledge. In other words, to learn certain things. What the learners were learning from Jesus was a way of life. It was based on an understanding of, of what he taught. Sure. But it was the way of life. So the goal was for them not only to know what their teacher knew, but also to be like their teacher and to walk in his ways. So they weren't just learning a subject, kids, like you might learn math or science or history or something like that. And, and we see that idea in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, where it says that a disciple, where Jesus said a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So there is a sense in which As a disciple, it is someone who seeks to to be a learner of their master. And for us, that means that we are to be a learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus' disciples not only as I said, heard the words that he spoke, but they saw how he acted in his everyday life. So when the Pharisees approached Jesus, for example, and they were seeking to trap him, as they oftentimes did by asking questions, that his disciples uh, got to see how he would respond to those things and in those situations. So for some people, as they think of a disciple, they'll oftentimes think of the idea of following Jesus. And that is a part of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, to follow him, um, because Jesus learners were committing themselves to Jesus, and it would be very difficult to learn from a master if you weren't with him and, and adopting the life that he was with and with him and watching and listening and practice uh, practicing the things that he says and asking questions and so on and so forth. But discipleship is more than merely just following Jesus and being close to him and studying him. I think about how many How easy it is even for Christians today as they think about being a disciple of Christ that you could ask them, are you a disciple? And they're like, sure. You know, but then as you get to talk about them, you know, Jesus seems to be they are following him. But if they are, it seems like they're following him from a great distance that he doesn't so much impact their everyday life. It might be just sort of a a general uh, sense in which they know the Lord. But that's not the idea that we see here in Scripture about discipleship. Instead, Jesus repeatedly tells people that were following him uh, what it means to be a disciple. He says that they must leave everything else behind, including their very life. And Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 14, verse 33. He said, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce, that means kids, to, to give up, if you don't give up all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. So to to learn Jesus, to be a learner of Jesus, to submit to his teaching, to walk in his ways, will mean leaving behind all your current loyalties and commitments. It requires a a denial of those things that belong to our former way of life before Jesus Christ, our selfishness and our rebellion towards God. It means an, an understanding that we are forgiven for the offenses that we have caused against the Lord Jesus Christ and submitting ourselves to him as our Lord and of our Savior. So unlike the modern idea of learning in which we sort of, uh, how would they put it, maybe in modern education, that we're sort of in a state of ignorance until we are educated. It's it's almost like uh, the idea that uh, not only are we acquiring knowledge, but it's almost in, in some educational theories, I guess, it's almost as if they act like we're a blank slate until we are educated and then that slate is filled up. But as Christians, we know that that's not how we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ with a full slate already. But that slate is full of sin and of selfishness, uh, a sense of being enslaved to our passions and our lusts. And thinking in ways that are opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is necessary and it requires a radical change to take place in our lives. It's a it's a great work of God to rescue us from the domain of darkness in which we were enslaved and be transferred into the kingdom of his son in whom he loves. So for us. As, as people it requires repentance that is a dying to ourselves and to the lies in our lives that were once built upon that were living in a way that was contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think you could say in one sense that a disciple is a forgiven sinner who is learning Christ in repentance and faith so a forgiven sinner who is learning Christ in in repentance and faith. And, and as we repent and we walk by faith, our understanding keeps being renewed continually until over time as it deepens and it widens and it begins to express itself in our actions in our lives as we sort of unlearn old ways of thinking and instead of walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. So being a learner or a disciple of Jesus involves learning truth as spelled out in the Word of God, but it involves the learning of a new way of being and living as well. So you could say it is God reforming you as a person, changing your thinking, changing your will, changing your affections. It is being reshaped by God to die more and more to sin in your life and to live more and more unto righteousness, as the shorter Catechism says. So if you ask someone If you're a Christian today or a disciple of Jesus Christ, you don't need to talk about uh, maybe what happened when you were 10 years old when you prayed a prayer. I mean, how many people do you know like that? If you say, are you a Christian? And they're like, yes, I'm a Christian because when I went to camp, you know, I, they uh, gave an invitation around the fire and I prayed a prayer and so now I know I'm a Christian. But for a true disciple of Jesus Christ, there was an ongoing relationship. It might be that there was that sense of that prayer, that sense of a commitment to the Lord and a recognition that the Spirit of God was convicting you of your sin and you were walking with the Lord, but that relationship continues. It's not a once for all thing that happens in the past, but it is a present reality as well. So as we come to the Lord, uh, we must speak of the reality of a living Savior that walks with us each and every day by faith through his word and prayer. And then we also see in Matthew 2820 where, where Jesus not only commands us to, to make disciples and to baptize them, but he also says teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So there is a sense in which the Lord is, is, is a, or excuse me, as, as his disciples, that we are taught not only to know his commands, but to do those commands as well. And by uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are able to do that because of these new hearts that the Lord gives us. But I think you could, um, if you think about the commands of God and, and uh and even as it's talking about here, obviously it's talking about everything that Jesus Christ has commanded. But I think in, in one sense, you could think about these commands as, um, as Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, as he thinks about the law of God, a summation of the law of God. You could think of the summation of the commands of Christ as being the same, that they could be summed up in this way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So a Christian or a disciple, as a Christian or a disciple, we are commanded to love God and others. But how often as we think about learning in terms of our, we think about it in terms of our own personal growth and and advancement of maybe becoming a better Christian in some way, rather than learning Rather than understanding that learning Christ and walking with him and, and growing in our faith really is focused on others rather than ourselves. It is to lay down our lives for others as Christ has laid down his life for us. So implied in this truth that observing Christ's commands involves loving others and therefore an increased focus on others rather than ourselves There is a reality that we must, as Christians, have time for others as well. But it's not uncommon, unfortunately, for us to fill our lives so full of stuff that interests us that sometimes there is little time for other people. I see that sometimes even in the church where people don't have time even to come to worship because they're traveling or their kids are in uh, all kinds of activities and things like that. And they're so being consumed with their own things that there's not a sense in which they can focus on the Lord. So as we think about a disciple, you know, we must understand that a disciple really is nothing more than a Christian. And I say that because it's not like a disciple is a special category of person. You know, it's not like everybody that professes faith in Jesus Christ is called a Christian And then you have like the ninja Christians or the the Green Beret Christians, you know, that are like the the really tough and hardcore Christians. And those are called disciples. The reality is, is that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, we all are disciples. And it's simply a way as we think about discipleship, it's simply a way of describing the totality of the Christian life and how we are to grow in him. And so the church Is is a is a community uh, where where disciples are made. It is a is a gathering of people who are called to to learn Christ together as God is at work in their midst. But making disciples is not something that is only done in an adult Sunday school class or a midweek Bible study. You know, it does involve those things, but it's here again. It's not just a sense of knowing things. It is a sense of living those things out in our lives as well. Now, unfortunately, some churches and many churches today, I think, are, are probably swinging the pendulum the opposite way and almost implying that it's not so much important as to what you know as to what you do. But because we cast off oftentimes the knowledge of God, as it's spelled out in his word, then we, the things that we do are not necessarily inconsistent in keeping with what God has revealed to us in his word. And so, um, you know, while, I, while it's important to have adult Sunday school classes where we learn the word of God, it's important to have table talk discussions at Pizza Hut's on Friday nights so that we can wrestle with the, the things that the word of God said. Really, everything we do as God's people, as a gathered people, should be an exercise of discipleship and of growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we need to uh, keep that focus and to understand that we should be involved in only those things that help us to grow in our faith as Christians. And that would help us as a church not to become sidetracked with things that really are not the calling of the church like um, some are today. We need to ask ourselves continually, Would we describe our church's culture in this way? Are we focused on a church on seeking the transformation through the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit of every person that walks through that door? Husbands and fathers, are you working towards such transformation in the lives of your family members? Are are, are each of us seeking to grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we intentionally seeking to grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Kids, and I have to apologize to teenagers, I say kids a lot, you know, but I know many of you are teenagers, and I don't don't mean any disrespect when I say kids, forgive me. But kids and and teenagers, especially those of you that have grown up in the church and are covenant children, you know, I I, I did that as well, and I know what it's like. Your parents uh, love the Lord Jesus Christ, and you don't really sometimes have to think much about your faith because you know that you're going to go to church on Sundays. You know you're going to go to Bible study. Uh, maybe you have family worship as a, as a part of your home. And just all these things that a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ does, you will do, maybe as your parents say, because you're part of this family. Right. And, and oftentimes covenant children then just sort of coast through their life and they really don't think about their faith. They don't really think about, do I love the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I seeking to worship him? Am I seeking to grow in him? Until oftentimes, until maybe they get to be teenagers, or maybe until they go to college, and then mom and dad are not there anymore, and then they can decide, hmm, do I wanna get up and go to church today? Or or do I wanna sleep in? Nobody's gonna know. Mom and dad are a long ways away. And I can do what I want. And I want to encourage you and challenge you uh, as covenant children to think about your faith. And to seek to grow and to love the Lord. And I want you to know, if you were part of of Kirk of the Plains, um, as your pastor, I want you to know I love you. And I want to do everything I can to help you to grow in your faith. I want to push you. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. And I want to do that, not waiting until you get to be college age to decide about whether you want to do that, but even now. And I don't mean to imply that you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't mean to imply that any of our young people here today are rebellious or anything like that. I just recognize that there can be a temptation there that I want to caution you against and want to encourage you Uh, to give yourselves to growing in faith and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is uh, our desire as a church, as people come and visit Kirk of the Plains, that they are encouraged in their faith. I am hopeful in some sense that Kirk of the Plains will be a church where people will be very uncomfortable if they desire to come and just come to church on Sunday morning and do nothing more with their faith than that. Now, understand, if that's where people are, and they come in, then great, we want them to come. We want them to grow. We're not gonna be a church that's like, in your face, you know, and and it's like, oh, hi, it's so nice to meet you. I'm Pastor Rick, are you growing in your faith? Oh, you're not? Well, then let's talk. It's not gonna be that kind of of attitude, but it is a sense of, of loving those people and desiring to encourage them, and foster uh, their growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how do we make disciples, or how are disciples made? Well, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, it clearly tells us that we are to make disciples, but it doesn't necessarily talk to us about how that is to, to take place. But let me summarize it maybe this way. Um, that we see that making disciples can be summarized as this. It's the persevering proclamation of the word of God by the people of God in prayerful dependence on the spirit of God. That's quite a definition. The preserving proclamation of the word of God by the people of God in prayerful dependence on the spirit of God. Let me just break those things down very quickly for you. I know they're very familiar with you. But first of all, there must be the proclamation of the word of God. There must be the sharing, the teaching, the, the talking of the word of God. We see throughout scripture that the proclamation of the word of God is necessary for someone to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we see that throughout the book of Acts. Uh, if, if you want, I'm going to just look at several passages. I'm going to start with Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Acts 6 and verse 7. Where we read, and the word of God continued to increase. Okay, in other words, the word of God continued to be to be shared, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And uh, we could go through many other scriptures as well. Uh, Acts 12:24. Acts 13, 49, Acts 19, 20, all of these talk about the word of God increasing and multiplying. And we know that it is as the word was being shared and proclaimed that many people came to faith in Jesus Christ. And so Acts leaves us no doubt that the power that was there behind the proclamation of the word of God. But we know that the word was powerful because the spirit of God was at work in the hearts of the people. And here again, like I said, we don't really have the time to go through this, but at every point, if you go through the book of Acts where the word of God is being proclaimed, you also see paired with that the work of the Holy Spirit, whether it is the Spirit of God giving boldness to the disciples to proclaim the word, or whether it is, Uh, giving hearts of, of joy to the disciples as they were suffering wrong for preaching the word or whether it be in changing the person's heart. It's clear that the making of disciples, brothers and sisters, is the work of God. None of us can make a disciple. It is the work of God to make a disciple. And we must not ever forget this. And I say that because it seems like so often I hear people in the church talking today about doing things for God. But God doesn't call us to do things for him. He instead desires to do things through us and through his church and through his people. And so um, as we we see here, we must have we must proclaim the word of the Lord. So discipleship cannot happen without the Word of God. And so the Word of God must be central in all that we do. That is going to be the hope that people have. People don't need to know what Kirk of the Plains thinks or what Pastor Rick thinks or what any other person or family at Kirk of the Plains thinks. What people need is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we must be a church that, that proclaims and shares that word Uh, in in everything that we do and we say. But my heart's desire is not only to see the word of God proclaimed uh, in the church as we are the church gathered, but even as we are the church scattered. When we are all gone our separate ways and we're working our jobs and we're raising our kids and. You know, whatever it is that we do during the week as we are doing those things to see the word of God to be a part of our lives. It may be in formal ways, like in reading the scriptures in our personal worship time, or it might be in our family worship, but also in less formal ways as well. It might be conversations in the car with your kids, or it might be a conversation around the dinner table uh, with your family, or if maybe you have a roommate or something like that, and you're, you're talking with them about the things of the Lord. You know, it's it's only as, as we uh, share the word of God can we grow in our faith. One of the symptoms of a congregation that is weak in disciple making is that oftentimes there are few instances where the word of God is regularly spoken beyond the Sunday morning sermon. I pray that that would not be the case at Kirk of the Plains. It also... Though no, as the word of God is being shared, it must be done in prayerful dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're we are not we're running out of time, so I don't have time to go through all the scriptures. But I just want to share a few with you. Uh, Titus chapter three verses four and five. Titus says. Or Paul says to Titus, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It is the spirit of God that is the one that gives us new life. We see that in John chapter three as well. But it's not just when we become a Christian, but even as we grow as a Christian as well. In 2 Corinthians 3:17 and 18, it says, Now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It is God who is the one who is transforming us and even making us to where we bear fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've only scratched um, the surface here. But as we think about the ministry of the word and the spirit, it it is important for us to understand the centrality then of the word and prayer when it comes to the ministry of the church. That prayer is vital to discipleship and the church Uh, I wonder how often maybe we think too highly of ourselves when we neglect to pray for our own sanctification and pray for the sanctification of others as well. You know, moms and dads, do you pray for your kids and for their spiritual formation? Do you pray for them when they wrestle with certain temptations or struggles or you see character uh, traits in them that you know are not honoring to the Lord? Do you pray for them? But do you pray for them also when things seem to be going okay, when they seem to be obedient and they seem to be honoring you? Do you still nonetheless pray proactively for your children and pray that God will continue to work in the hearts of your children? Do we pray as brothers and sisters for one another? Do you remember the families of Kirk of the Plains throughout the week and pray that we could grow in your grace? I'll tell you what, if nothing else, you could pray for your pastor and for his family as well. They very much need that. If we are going to be a discipling church, we must be a praying church. Our level of understanding and conviction for the need for prayer within our own lives and our churches will only be demonstrated by our constant dependent prayer for God to give us the growth that we need in the Lord Jesus Christ. So prayerlessness and worldliness are classic symptoms of a, a sick discipling church Uh, church culture and then finally um, it is through people being used as God's instruments that he works you know it's it is the work of God's Spirit from beginning to end in terms of making disciples but God chooses to use human agents by which to do that and the best illustration I can think to describe this would be a scalpel in the hands of a surgeon you know if let's say there's a successful surgery You know, after that surgery, is it appropriate for the scalpel to say to the doctor that the scalpel performed a successful surgery? It did all the cutting. It made all the the right marks. And we would say, well, of course not. But in the same way, God makes disciples, but we are the scalpel that he uses to perform that operation And this is important for us to grasp so that we don't become proud or we don't overvalue our efforts when it comes to making disciples. We are just servants of Christ who are planting and watering and praying for God to give the growth, as 1 Corinthians 3 says. And like I stated earlier, you know, we don't do God's work for him. God does his work through us. And we must keep that in mind. But nonetheless, God does very much use his people. Let me just read one passage, Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. Very familiar passage, Second Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Paul writes to Timothy, he said, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. So, so you see there those human agents... That Paul is is instructing Timothy and teaching him things that he had heard, that he had learned from Christ. And then Timothy then was taking those things and he was entrusting those to faithful men. And then those faithful men who were then to teach other people. And so clearly we see here that God uses his covenant people, the church, his saints, to proclaim the word of God in dependence upon the Holy Spirit in order to make disciples. And like I said, you know, I'm not so interested in getting people in the door of this church so that we might grow our numbers. I have no stomach for that. I am more concerned to get people in that door that we might be used as a congregation by the Lord Jesus Christ to make disciples. Whenever anybody comes through that door, that's the thought that comes to my mind. We now have the opportunity But we also have the responsibility to be used in that person's life to help them to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ as he gives us strength. And I hope that that's our mentality as a church. So it is our call both to be disciples and to be involved in the disciple making process. Maybe you've heard it put this way, you know, that, you know, we are to be disciples that make disciples. You know, but in many ways that that is very true and we need to seek to do that and understand that as we are walking in the Lord, that he will complete the work that he has he has started. That's what Paul says in Philippians chapter one, verse six. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. I wonder sometimes, though, from a pastor's perspective, if we might hear those words. And we might think, okay, you know, I think I'll just let God move in me and in my spiritual growth in whatever way he wants to do that. I'm here. And if God wants to encourage me in my faith, that's great. If he wants me to grow, that's great. But I'm just sort of going to sit back and I'm going to just take it easy. But in that same letter, Paul writes to the Philippians and I want you to turn there. Turn to Philippians chapter three. Verses 8 through 16, Philippians 3, 8 through 16. And Paul also says this. He said, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Remember what I said? When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, all of our former allegiances and our commitments, they go by the wayside. You know, we may still have them, but we hold them with an open hand. And we're we're like, Lord Jesus, whatever you want, it's yours because you are my first and and only love. And that's what Paul says. He goes, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or as dung in order that I may gain Christ and be bound in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, you think otherwise, God reveals that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Do you see what he says In verse 13 and 14. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That ought to be what characterizes our lives as Christians. That's what my prayers have been for you and will continue to be for you, that you might press on for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that you might know your Lord, that you might be set free from the sins that you wrestle with, that you might walk in holiness and righteousness and love him. Does that describe your life? Is that the desire of your heart to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ? I pray so and I, knowing you what little I do, I think that is the case. And I rejoice in that. But we, as a discipling church, we unapologetically desire to be in the lives of its people that we might be able to encourage you, but also that you may encourage one another as well, that we might grow for his glory and for the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and praise you, Lord Jesus, that we... Uh, could know you that you have revealed yourself to us but Lord let us not sit back on our laurels in one sense and and just sort of seek to coast through the Christian life but we pray that we would be spurred on daily Lord to know you that you would help us father to uh, reach out to to others as well and be used of you and be used in this body uh, Lord to encourage one another and father we pray Uh, that that growth in Christ would overflow to a faithful gospel witness in Andover and the surrounding areas. We thank you, O Lord, and pray this in your name. Amen.